Good morning and welcome to More Than Money. You've got Gene Dickinson, your assistant host. You've got Melissa <laughs> Young, your host. Good morning, young lady. Uh, good morning, uh, host. Sims <laughs> Halibim. I don't know what all the... What, your highness? What, is that what Greg suggested? Yes. Your highness? Yes. Yes. I'll get back to you on my preferred title. It's fantastic. So many of you. Oh, we have the best audience. We just have the best people. We have the best clients. We have the best people. We're just the Stop bragging now. It's not, I'm not bragging if I'm telling somebody else they're the best. They are the best. And they appreciate uh, They appreciate your hard work. That's fantastic. We're going to get to the puppies in a moment. Just pump your brakes. <laughs> Stay calm. Good morning. Oh. If you are a loyal listener to More Than Money, you know exactly how this works. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start with just a touch of silliness, and then we progress into making sure that we answer as many of your questions as we can. You want to talk a bucket of questions this week. Oh, my gosh. They just poured through the door. It was just amazing. (laughs) And some really, really interesting stuff. And then some stuff that was flat out annoying. And we'll talk about both of those. (laughs) But if you have questions for us this morning, the easiest way to reach us, the traditional way, the old school way, is to give us a call, 610-720-7900-610-720-7900. You talk to Mr. Sunshine himself, Mr. John Elliott, and then you get to talk to uh, Alyssa and she'll, uh, if she needs an old guy to chime in, she'll ask me questions and that'll be great. 610-720-7900. If you'd like to send uh, emails directly, that's Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A at askmtm.com. I guess there's a fair number of ways to spell Alyssa. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we keep... uh, Keep you on the square, A-L-Y-S-S-A at askmtm.com. And um, if you want to listen through the miracles of modern technology and get crystal clear service wherever you may be, coast to coast, north and south, if you've got internet access on your tablet, your workstation, your smartphone, it's easy. Morethanmoneyonline.com, morethanmoneyonline.com. And you hit the listen live button, which magically appears every Saturday morning about 8.05 and stays there until about 10 o'clock and then disappears because it's listen live button. And if you are unable to be with us on Saturday mornings, but you want to listen anyway, that's called podcast. And we've got a year's worth of shows. We are doing it on a rotational basis now. We're doing a year, right? Uh, Yeah, we we kept the radio retirement series. And then, which is oh you no, know, they that would have been a little over a year. Yes, ago, right? but yeah. then um, after that we have, I guess it's actually about six months or maybe a little more than that of shows besides the Radio Retirement series. But there's, so, there's a lot, a lot of shows. That's, and do you think anybody <laughs> actually listens on podcast? <laughs> more than you. More than Gene thought. Yeah. Yes, yes, hundreds. Yeah. So hundreds. if you are. So inclined, we have that available to you, morethanmoneyonline.com. You go to the radio button, you go to the archives, and we've got all that there for you. i got to figure out how this, make this so it doesn't go dark in like 41 seconds. Okay. Because that's annoying. Gene got a new phone. Gene's very excited, and Gene is very grateful to our friend. You've heard him uh, several times over the last month or so, Mr. Mm -hmm. Mark 
Belsack, who is not just a financial advisor extraordinaire, <laughs> but he's a techie. Yeah. He's a techie. I was going to suggest yesterday that he, if he wanted another career, maybe when he retires from being a financial advisor, he could work at like the Verizon store or the okay, Apple store. Okay, first of all, why don't you pump your brakes I over do. there? When he retires as a financial advisor, well, like... I like meant we it, would allow no, that to happen. I meant it as a compliment. Like he, he, I could see him working in one of those stores and helping people set up their phones and just, oh, he, just no, he was no, all no, over. It. Yeah, yes. he was all over. He's multi-talented. He's not allowed to retire. Okay, I, like, can I be more clear no, than that? I got it. I don't want him to either. I was just saying that he did a good uh, job. I'm just saying. <laughs> Comes in on Monday, gives turns in his resignation. I'm going to work at Verizon. And I'm going to be going, uh, Alyssa, could I see you in my office <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> bring your stuff? Because <laughs> I got a box for you. Uh, Mark's leaving voluntarily. And then. <laughs> um, you heard it here, folks. Yeah, host, my co-host is threatening fr- fr- to from fire host, the host. From host to heels and elbows in 20 <laughs> seconds. Uh, no, Mark was incredibly helpful. And gosh, I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I went from a Smithsonian relic to uh, the ultra. Yeah, he's all high break. tech right high now. High tech, everything. I got it. He going. took it very well. He didn't get all worked up about the changes. He's, you know, I was impressed. So were both of you. Well, yeah, thank you so much. Very smooth process. It was indeed. He's. Uh, I was working, just for everyone's information. I was busy doing real work, and they were messing around with Gene's phone. Real, real, <laughs> real hosting work. Real. Uh, <laughs> real financial advisor. Real financial work. advisor work. <laughs> Wow, that was hurtful. That was <laughs> really hurtful. 610-720-7900, Alyssa at AskMTM.com. If, if you're, you're feeling kind of like, like low, second class these days, Gene at AskMTM.com. A um, couple pieces of housekeeping. Uh, March newsletter is on the street. If you have, uh, y- if you receive it by email, you got that, uh, gosh, a week or so ago. If you get it by snail mail, I got mine yesterday. Uh, you should get yours by Memorial Day, <laughs> snail mail being what it is. So uh, please check that out. I think you'll find that uh, rather uh, informative. There's a lot of interesting questions that your friends and neighbors have asked that we were able to assist them with and a couple comments that I made that apparently the folks who um, – Receive it by email, found it, uh, found my comments uh, uh, of value because we got a lot of nice emails back on that. So that was fantastic. Uh, I want to congratulate Shane Burkhaw and Sarah uh, Usenoff. I I always want to call her Burkhaw because she always she was for years. Sarah Usenoff and Shane Burkhaw, they were recently named and and I won't get the name correct, but I will get the concept correct. Um, Moravian College uh, provides a Humanitarian of the Year Award to graduates, and Shane and Sarah are this year's Moravian College Humanitarian Award winners. Wonderful. And and they are well-deserving. The impact they have made on this world is staggering. Impact, yeah, They've raised funds, and they've helped an awful lot of folks who have physical and mental challenges. No question about that. The impact they've had on all of us is staggering. It's staggering. Uh, to, for us as both a show 
and as a financial advisory firm to have had the privilege of being side by side with them as um, advisors and sponsors, uh, contributors and friends for all these years has been one of the great honors that we have had, one of the great privileges that we have had. Again, um, Shane's zest for life is second to none. And um, yet I'm not sure you've met his wife yet, have you? No. Mm -mm. Just unbelievable. For folks who have never met her, if you've seen uh, any of the emails or their uh, YouTube videos, you go, wow, she's a really beautiful girl. You have no clue. She's way more beautiful on the inside than she is out, which doesn't surprise me because Shane and Sarah have been partners since college and they're cousins, so they've known each other forever. And he married a woman very much in the mold of his cousin. Mm. Absolutely gorgeous, inside even more than out. So just well-deserved, unbelievable. And I got to tell you, uh, Shane's written three books, a children's book that I think is the best children's book I've ever read on any genre in any time. It's... His writing was fantastic. The photography was perfection. It was the best. And a couple pretty saucy adult <clears throat> adult books. You know what I'm saying? Saucy. Saucy. It talks about his real life. And oh. he's uh, he's an expressive man. Okay. He's, uh, he's got uh, some people. I have re- early, early on I referenced him as a, kind of a modern Will Rogers, uh, which is interesting because that was my quote for this year this month's uh, newsletter and will said i ain't nearly so concerned about the return on my money i am very concerned about the return of my money <laughs> <laughs> so uh <clears throat> will was uh, pretty down home and uh so is shane if down home means you can drop the f-bomb on occasion that's <laughs> uh saucy he is saucy <laughs> And fantastic. So congratulations uh, indeed. Um, if you, anybody out there, if you are or are, are affiliated with groups who sponsor uh, fundraising golf tournaments, would you please uh, send invitations our way? You can certainly send them directly to me, gene at askmtm.com. I've gotten a couple already. I know there's another one that typically uh, is held this summer. Um, we generally get invited to four or five. I would like to be invited to 15 or 20. We'd like to uh, to help out your organization if we can possibly fit it into our schedule. Uh, we've got some uh, mediocre at best golfers in our group, and we've got some uh, clients who are very good golfers. But the reality is that we'd like to... Uh, We'd like to do two things this summer we haven't been able to do for a couple of years. Number one, play a lot more golf now that the pandemic seemingly is on the wane. And number two, help an awful lot more quality organizations. So if you represent a quality organization and you have a golf uh, tournament, uh, particularly if you know what the, the uh, date is, because we're trying to, our schedules fill up so fast. Oh my gosh. People go, hey, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday was filled up two weeks ago, so we gotta we gotta know those in advance. Please send those to me. Uh, I th- think. Oh, um, from our crack tax division, which uh, I know sounds like 
you know, they're pretty tired, so they're on crack right now. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they're very, very good at this. Um, a message from our crack tax, tax division headed up by Diane uh, Dickison, if that is her real name. Um, as we are now April 2nd, tax deadline April 18th, uh, if you are, I'm uh, just bite my lip, if you're the person, type of person who says, oh, I should get my stuff together and just drop it off and make sure that they hurry up and get my return done, um, you are absolutely invited to have our wonderful tax team uh, address your tax issues. Uh, I want you to repeat after me, tax extension, tax extension, <laughs> filing extension, because the thought that you show up at a professional tax preparer's office on April the 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and drop off your paperwork and expect that you're going to have it filed on the 18th is, and you may not understand this, but, but that's what we do here. We help educate people. That, that's, that's kind of our mission. Yep. Yeah, it's insulting. It's disrespectful. Because if you think somebody's just sitting around waiting for you because you've dawdled or because you just woke up or because something happened in your life, then we have a participation trophy for you. Yeah, we're not going to do your tax return, but we'll give you a participation <laughs> trophy. Yeah, that's not how that works. So and um, buckle in, stay relaxed. You still have to pay the tax, by the way. A lot of folks are still confused about that. Uh, tax extensions are, are an extension of the paperwork. They are not an extension of your uh, uh, commitment to pay. Right. If you're doing your own taxes, uh, beware. The Federal Trade Commission sued TurboTax's creator this week for misleading people to, by saying that their tax filing software is free. And, and I've seen this um, with the software I've used online. I don't use TurboTax, but something similar where they say, you know, free tax filing and you start the process. And then as soon as you have any kind of I'm going to call it a complicating factor, but it doesn't even really need to be that complicated. Any um, Anything you enter that applies to your return, they'll say, oh, you're not eligible for the free software. This is going to cost you, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, so they were saying that it was so misleading that they actually sued them because people didn't would go through this process, start filing their return, and then be steered to a charge that they'd have to pay to be able to complete and file their taxes. And you got to know that once you're into it and you filled in all your data and you're like, you're 45 minutes in and you figure I'm about, you know what? I'm almost done. Oops. You've crossed the line. Now you owe us money. You're going to go, I hate you, but I'm going to pay. Yes. Yeah. That's. And speaking of into it, that's actually the name of the company. (laughs) (laughs) Once you're into it. See, I knew that. Yeah. So be careful. That's my psychic ability. (laughs) If you are doing it on your own, be aware that uh, you'll probably have to pay. So don't choose assuming that it's going to cost you nothing. Very good. Uh, We often say on air, um, because it's true, we answer every single email back to the folks who send them to us. We can't answer everyone on air. That's simply impossible. But we answer every single one back to you. Um, I'm very close to changing that. Because if I get one more email from uh, someone out there who thinks that 
complaining to us about the IRS because you you did a do-it-yourself something, you got yourself into a pickle, uh, you've complained to hundreds of people, and now you're, in essence, demanding that we provide you with a free service on April the 2nd to figure out what you screwed up a year and a half ago. I get one more email of complaint about the IRS um, from a whiner bee, and whew, mm. um, my new phone probably is... Um, is, is going to need wings because I'm going to toss it out the 67 story window here. Oh, it's yeah, we're, we've gotten a fair number, fair number. And, uh, do I understand the frustration? D- duh. Of course I do. Not the issue. The issue is, um, I, I what's, what's the, oh yeah. No free lunch. Is there mm-hmm. no free lunch unless, <clears throat> Okay. We've got a special guest coming in. Yes, we do. At 9 o'clock. Don't miss this. If you are interested in or in the market for um, a car, if you're interested in what's going on in the car market, um, you want to hear this. So Chad Ruprecht, one of our fellow financial advisors uh, in a previous life, was an expert in the auto finance uh, industry and he is coming into the studio today to talk to us about um, what's going on in the auto industry uh, with inflation and how it's caused supply issues and wh- why prices are so high mm. why it's hard to get a vehicle if you're in the market for a new vehicle he'll talk to us about how to negotiate a fair deal on a car so some things that you might not know that you can negotiate some things to be aware of and he'll also give us some insight about the whole leasing versus buying decision um if something that if that's something that you are confused about or been curious to learn more he can you know give us some um explanation and he's and calling in he's coming here he's, he's going to be here he's in doing the flesh. What? what yeah when you say in the flesh uh, you're just saying you're, yeah, yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, no, I understand. The, I understand yeah. the concept of clothing for both of you. I understand that. I thought she was making reference to the amount of flesh he was bringing. Because it's less than it was. Um, apparently, yeah, yeah. All uh, of you. All we, there's less of us <laughs> in the MTM World headquarters. There, there are there are less. There is less financial advisor in. <laughs> In the MTM, not advisors. No, no, that was that was said exactly correct. There are as many of us that were just small. Well, not me, but the rest <laughs> of you are just smaller. Yeah, if you get any smaller, I'm not going to allow you outside. <laughs> oh, there was a breeze and we lost the list. Oh my gosh! Oh. All right, really, really fast because this is it. Um, I took a distribution and I put it in a donor advised fund. Do I still have to pay tax? It's yes. April 2nd. Um, uh, my H&R Block tax software mentions a stimulus payment. I didn't get it. So what? It's April 2nd. Um, <laughs> where, if I, oh, here's a, thank you. Sarah. I was actually blessed to be the recipient of both of these. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. Oh, my God. Six one zero seven two zero seventy nine hundred. We got the phones. We talked to Barry. Barry, good morning. Hey, Gene, how's it going this morning? <laughs> Good, sir. How are you? Yeah, no use complaining. I got this uh, uh, the, the letter of mail from the IRS uh, in regards to an amended tax return that I, 
that says received was received by May 10, 2021. This is last year already for 2020. It was an amended tax return. I had a, I had an organization do it, and it says here a completed form of 5329 to support your change to make the changes you mean. You can get this IRS form or publication from our website at irs.gov or call 1-800-TAX-FORM. You should send the requesting information and your amended return in the enclosed envelope within 30 days. If we don't hear from you, we can't process your amended return. If you have any questions, call 1-800-829-BLAH. Blah, 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 blah. I wonder what that's about. I just got this now. Yeah, it's it's a fair question. You said you had the amendment filed by a uh, a tax preparer? Yeah. Yeah, make sure you drop that letter on uh, in front of them. And it, it you got 30 days. I wouldn't do it in the next two weeks. They've got tax deadlines. Uh, but make sure that they're aware. They should be the the organization responding. You should not have to respond. Yeah, so I'm going you know, to go Monday and take it right up to the office. And say, yeah, hey, yeah, well, yeah. And, and, and they'll put it in the queue. They'll make sure they respond in a timely fashion. It may not be two weeks, but it'll certainly be by the deadline. I'm trying to figure out what 5329 is. I've looked it up something. It's something about IREs or something. I don't know. Yeah, and, and if you if you had any idea yeah. what that was, Barry, I would be worried about you because <laughs> there are literally a, I, I'm guessing 1,500 different n- n- forms with different numbers. And if you knew which was which, then then you're not you're not normal, dude. <laughs> but but you're normal. Yeah. So so you're doing good, and you'll drop that off, and they'll take care of that for you. And then, and then two weeks we'll get another letter. We need we need a a twenty one dash seven B. Another little form. We need forty seven bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how that game is played. You're you're, you're on to it. One of these days I'll see my amended return. There you go. All God, right, I'll catch you later. Thanks. God bless you, brother. We got an we got an email from a CPA who says thank you for telling everyone that if you show up today or this week your return is being extended. Please keep saying that every half hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. Here's another tip, uh, and to our friends the CPA and a lot of folks, this is goofy. A lot of folks uh, will take me aside, almost whispering, and go, "You know, um, when you're on air and you're giving really good advice." Um, does it annoy you that other advisors are listening and taking notes and helping their clients with your hard work? And the, and, and, you know, CPAs are listening and they're taking, and doesn't it bother you? Hell no. We literally don't have enough time to serve every human client that needs us. So if we can help other professionals, good people like the CPA that just emailed you and said, and, and help them do a better job or, or just have a better life. Um, that's fantastic. Yes. And it's incredibly good karma. It's incredibly good karma. Here's the second thing. Here's, here's the corollary. Isn't that a cool word? It is. I wish I knew what it meant. Uh, corollary <laughs> to if you show up at a professional tax preparer's office uh, at any point going forward, uh, the word extension has to be in your vocabulary. If you show up at a professional tax preparer's office with your paperwork and go, I'd like you to prepare this return by the 18th, and they say, sure, no problem, you're in the wrong office. Because <laughs> anybody that's good is maxed. Yeah. Anybody that's got plenty of time to do your return real quick, oh, yeah, you know what? I'll probably have it done for you by noon. Seriously? That's a red flag. It's a huge red flag. <laughs> <clears throat> Speaking of red flag, are you ready for that? Mm-hmm. If you can't spell the word lawyer, please, please don't send me emails. 
man. What L A W E R Y E R S? Lawyers. 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 And giving me orders. Send me. Do this. I've got. Not sure. Heard if you do this. And oh, by the way, when uh, you misspell as many words as you have and kind of have a semi-demanding tone as opposed to an appreciative tone, which is 99% of the client, oh, my gosh, we have the nicest people. Um, you had a brand-new client that you did your paperwork on this morning that we've talked about a couple times over this last couple mm-hmm. weeks. A sweetheart. That's right. Absolute sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are uh, so blessed. Uh, when somebody responds to your email in a very polite, professional, and gives you good detail, you should actually read the response. You shouldn't and, wait three and, or four hours and then just repeat sending me the same yeah, damn email. Or you can even say thank you. Thank you. Nice. I've given some people some pretty detailed responses to their questions, and they don't even answer. Um, yeah, it's uh, sometimes, it's only sometimes, I am... Um, forced to recall the phrase um, you uh, you don't appreciate something that's given to you for free and as much as I'm annoyed Easter's coming up and somebody gave us all something Mm -hmm. for free Mm -hmm. all you have to do is say I would like that Mm -hmm. I'm going to redeem you I would like that that's all you have to do it's for free you don't have to do anything you don't have to pay anything and yet there's still lots of really millions, tens of millions who have gone, yeah, no thanks. Uh, I think I got this. Not so much. <laughs> 610-720-7900, Alyssa at AskMTM.com. Your calls, your emails, your questions after this on More Than Money. Welcome back to More Than Money. My co-host decided to join me in the studio. Uh, I got lost. Oh, you've only well, it's an, you know I I'm not really used to being in. The... Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna it's say like a second home. Yes, oh, yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I'm just gonna remind everybody to stay tuned because at nine o'clock we have our special guest Chad Ruprecht here to talk about what's going on in the auto industry. So really good stuff. If you're just curious or if you're shopping for a new vehicle anytime soon. Uh, you don't want to miss that interview. Uh, jobs report really good. Yes. 400,000 plus. Yes. It was reported as a disappointment. Because the expectation by Dow uh, economists surveyed by Dow Jones had been expecting 490,000, but the actual number was 431,000. So that's why it was uh, disappointing dis- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. to the economists. Who uh, who shall go unnamed? Who apparently, in terms of being able to predict numbers, suck. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, let's be honest. The 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 why would we call four hundred and thirty one mm-hmm. four hundred thirty one thousand more jobs disappointing? The mm-hmm. only reason we would do that if we were selfish, self centered, not very good at our jobs, economists who can't predict numbers correctly. 
if you're a weatherman and you say it's going to snow and it's bright sunshine for three days in a row, and let me see, at your job, oh, yeah, you suck. <laughs> and so these economists will go, oh, it's very disappointing. Because you're not very good at predicting this is disappointing. Oh, it's um, If you look at it on the bright side, yeah. there's all this concern about the economy slowing down and adding 431,000 jobs would seem to suggest otherwise. Yeah? Uh, more people working, more people looking for work, which mm. is a really important piece of the puzzle. We've got over 10 million jobs still unfilled. The job, um, the labor participation rate is a very, very important number, rarely reported because economists are even worse at predicting that than they are at predicting the number of jobs created. They really do. What's the right word again? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Suck at their job. Um, Bottom line is more people are willing to work. That's fantastic. More people are looking for work. That's fantastic. More people are working. This is really, really good. Yeah. The total employment gain was 736000 Because more people went back. Yep. Very, very yeah. good. Fantastic. Outstandingly good. Speaking of outstanding, you didn't happen to bump into any puppies along the way, did you? <laughs> On the way here this morning? No, just in general. <laughs> yeah, I saw lots of puppies last night. Uh, our audience is well aware that a few weeks ago we had a sadness because mm-hmm. you lost a puppy that you love very, very much. Yes. Ruby is uh, still in our hearts. Yes. A wonderful puppy. And um, we've got to um, restore mm-hmm. to the family, mm-hmm. particularly Juliana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. We have a void in our house without a puppy to love and snuggle. So mm-hmm. um, we found a litter of golden mountain dogs two hours from here. And last night we took a road trip to go meet them and choose our next furry family member. It was a very difficult decision because they're all adorable and sweet. But we did choose the only boy um, who was in the litter. No kidding. Yeah, there, there one had of been, eight? Wow. There had been one other boy that was already claimed. So of the eight that we got to play with there was only one boy and he will definitely be the biggest dog out of all of those puppies that we that we saw last night but he is has the most unique look and that's what we were hoping for when we discovered the golden mountain dog breed it's a cross between a golden retriever the mom and a bernese mountain dog which is the dad when uh, will you be permitted to bring this puppy home april 16th so we'll get uh, saturday two saturday from yeah two weeks from today yeah. So we have two more Saturdays to wait because yes. you you won't have the puppy by the 16th. No, we'll get the puppy on the 16th. After so, the show. Yeah, so three yeah. more Saturdays before we can report back Yeah, as to how <laughs> sweet and wonderful. Yeah. So we're excited. Congratulations. Thanks. That Thanks. is fantastic. Yeah. It, it, was, fantastic. it was a lot of fun. And um, now we're still debating on the name. So yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Right, yeah, like what what are some of the suggestions so far? Mm, so my ideas are um, uh, Midas to play off the golden and golden mountain dog. My, okay. Midas, yeah. Otto. Um, oh, there's so many ideas. Um, Juliana and Zach have some others too. I think Ozzy was one. Um, I don't know. I can't. There's a list. There's a long list, and we. I don't know how. Close be hard to narrowing it All down. Right, so you don't want to jinx it or you know, no. cause any stress because somebody might be listening and go, I didn't say that, Mommy. 
Okay, yeah. so yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. And if you have suggestions uh, <laughs> for uh, what a golden mountain dog, is that what they're called? Yeah. Golden mountain dog? Yeah. Um, what a golden mountain dog, little boy, should be called. Big you boy. Can, you can, <laughs> he's, he does look like a tank. Maybe, maybe it should be Denny. Do they have the big, no, am I confusing that? The big, when I said big boy, I thought of a breakfast. That's not at Denny's, is it? I don't have any idea. Uh, <laughs> um, that you, just popped in my head. I don't know. Call him Tank. Yeah, you could that, certainly call I him Tank. I did describe him as call a little him, tank. Call him Panzer. You can call him. He's going to be big. Oh, uh, it's Good for you. 610-720-7900. Gene at AskMTM.com. MoreThanMoneyOnline.com. I have a question for you. Okay. Young lady writes, is there a way I can give my nieces and nephews $10,000 each while I am alive as a non-taxable gift, but not have them receive it until after my death? The goal is to get the money out of my taxable estate to avoid any feelings of obligation. I do not have their social security number. I think the solution for that would be an irrevocable trust. Oh, it that's that is possible. Yes. Um, now let's let's think out loud for a second. What this young lady's trying to do is to segregate these funds, but not not actually have the, the people receive it. Um, there are lots of tax professionals out there and legal professionals listening. So if I get this imprecisely incorrect or precisely incorrect, uh, please correct me. But it's my understanding that the IRS definition um, um, or the IRS requires uh, in order for a gift to be a gift, that it be a completed gift, that it be um, received and that the person making the gift retain no ownership whatsoever. So um, if you said, um, I, I want to give 10000 to each of my nieces and nephews, I'm going to put it into an account, and, and I, as far as I'm concerned, I've made the gift, but they don't get it until I'm dead, that's not a gift. Right. That's, that's, that's a, an inheritance. If you put it in an irrevocable trust, I think that does work. So it's no that, longer hers. It's no longer hers. It's not in the estate, so it's not taxable. And then the trust can have rules that say they don't get this till I'm gone. I think that works. Okay. Well done. Very Thanks. good. 610-720-7900. Gene at askmtm.com. More than money online.com. Just a couple details. We were talking about the uh, job creation. Unemployment rate in February was 3.5. I think the new number was... Uh, Lower. I thought it was 3.3. I could have that wrong. Number of unemployed Americans was 5.7 million a year ago. I'm sorry, two years ago, 6.3 million a year ago. Uh, Number of job openings was 7 million uh, two years ago, 11.3 million currently. It says the unemployment rate declined to 3.6%. Very good. The author of this article on CNBC.com used to be my editor at the Express Times. Really? Really. Do I? I don't know this person. Jeff Cox. I don't know that no, person. He was an Express Times editor who now works at CNBC. He lives in, along the Delaware somewhere in um, uh, in Lehigh Valley. Um, and, yeah, he writes and he's on, their, on the online news all the time, videos. So if you were an Express Times subscriber years ago, you might recognize his name. Very nice. Yeah. 
CNBC, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah what are you going to do? Uh, from one of our most loyal listeners, a very, very nice email I want to share with you. Uh, uh, it says, Gene, you just gave some very good advice on the value of being thankful. It may seem like a simple thing to most of us, but it really does go a long way. I remember about two years ago, we were at Sam's Club and got a sample of one of the, the desserts that they carry. I took my piece and said, thank you, as my parents taught me to do, mm -hmm. which is absolutely true to the woman serving. She looked at me and said, thank you so much for saying that. You're the only person who said thank you. Ugh. Most of these people just come up, grab it without saying a word. Never underestimate how a simple act can make someone's day. Happy Easter to both of you. If I don't talk to you beforehand, well, thank you, Jim. Fantastic. Um, gratitude is um, just an amazing, amazing um, opportunity for all manner of positive things. But I heard it expressed uh, this past week. When I work out, I do morning workouts. Um, I'm always listening to audiobooks. And Deepak Chopra is a gentleman I've, I've studied for many, many years. I'm re-listening uh, to a series that came out uh, in 2008. So what, 14 years ago? Mm-hmm during the recession when the markets were tanking and real estate was tanking, everything was tanking and the world was in abject panic. And he and a colleague presented a, um, a workshop that was recorded um, in the effort to try to put people's minds more at peace. And of course, uh, one of the comments they made was if you're, really terrified of what's going on in the world, um, you've misplaced your faith. Oh. Because yeah. if if we're of faith, we understand God's got this. Mm -hmm. And if you're going, I'm really terrified that this is going to happen, well, now you've got more faith in geopolitical events or economic events than you do in our Creator. And that, that's not... The, you, we are misguided. Second thing he said, and I thought it was fascinating, was that lots of people, lots of people get so um, me-centric during things. I have to, and you better because me, and I have to for me, and, I, and the ego really gets in the way. And the logical question is if you don't want to be that way, if, if, you, if your heart truly is, look, I slipped into that. That was a mistake. I don't want to be egocentric. How do you, how do you combat that? What, what, what would be a tool that you could use? And his suggestion, I thought it was brilliant, was gratitude. Mm -hmm. if, if you spend even just a few minutes, um, I'll, I'll give you um, just, just a riff. I am so thankful that you shared a video of those puppies this morning. Mm -hmm. Talk about putting joy in somebody's heart. If you love puppies and somebody cares enough to show you a video of these sweet things in this tank moving on, <laughs> and a picture of Juliana, who I love dearly, snuggling this puppy, all the puppies, but mm -hmm. this particular <laughs> puppy, and falling in love. It, it just, w once you start, it's, it's kind of like eating peanuts. You just keep going. Mm -hmm. Or for me, it's a bag of, of lime, lime Doritos. Okay. Or Cheez-Its. 
Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Just you, the reasons to be thankful are everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. I've heard that often um, a recommendation for people to improve their mood or improve just about anything is to start and end your day with gratitude and people keep a gratitude journal where mm. you wake up and think about things you're thankful for or before you go to bed you write down the things that you're thankful for and it just changes your whole perspective on life so you, powerful. you you can't be it's all about me when you're being thankful for all the things that are coming to you yeah. rather than from you it's fantastic i have another question for you okay host uh, my husband and I are blah, blah, blah. Uh, Gene's going to start that one over. Mm. You, just forgive him. He's a, he's a rookie. <laughs> oh, yes. Just trying to get my, yeah. my legs under me. <laughs> my husband and I are both 59 and work full time. We each contribute 20% to our 401k. We hope to retire at 62 and work part time. We currently have about 15000 in a savings account. I'm looking for a place to earn more money. Any suggestions would be appreciated. We will probably add more to it in the future, but would like to keep access to it for an emergency. So let me clarify. They're talking about the 15000 I would keep it right where it is. Um, we always recommend having six months or more of expenses worth of cash accessible to you in a safe place where there's no risk, no uh, you know, issues with liquidity. It's not tied up. You want to keep that money in the bank and don't, don't, don't do anything with it. That's my recommendation. But it's not earning very much. Well, the priority for that money is that it's safe and that it's accessible. So when you say priority, you're, you're saying that not all uh, financial assets are intended to produce a very high return. That's right. Well, isn't, isn't that shocking? <laughs> Not, not particularly, but for a lot of people, it is surprising and frustrating. Um, 15000 is serious money. And if you're earning zero, huh. yeah. and if you thought, well, there's got to be somewhere out there I could make 2%, and instead of making nothing, I make 300 bucks this year. That would be nice. It would be nice, but it's not the priority. You are absolutely correct. And by the way, she was very helpful in saying that she would like access in case of emergency. That defines what they're trying to do with that money. That allows it. Your yep. answer was right. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I believe, yes. A uh, young lady writes, we're retired. We have our retirement money in annuities, which are difficult to understand. Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh, we don't feel the agent who's handling them explained them to us in a way we understand or understood. We would like a second opinion. I actually met with that couple. Whoa. Uh, and they will be coming back in on Monday. Um, interesting. So th this is a couple who has, um, they have three annuities. Um, each of them has an identical one, and then there's a third. Okay. And the, the two that we're talking about, that you know, husband and wife each have one. What happened is... After seven years after starting this annuity contract, the income that they are collecting from it dropped. So they were getting a larger amount every year for seven years. And then this year found out that the amount of money that this annuity is going to send to them in their bank is less. And they don't understand why. And they were obviously upset when you aren't expecting that and you don't understand why. And then the number drops by a few thousand dollars. And you're expecting ten thousand, and it's only going to be six thousand. Mm. I would be upset too. 
So they brought their statements in and looked at them, and it turns out that the um, guaranteed income level was only for seven years. And then after that seven-year lock, the income rate changed to be either 3% or the 10-year treasury measurement plus 1%. And it turns out that that it's now a 3.4% rate when they had been enjoying a higher rate. And so that's the terms of the annuity. But they didn't either. It wasn't clearly explained to them or they didn't understand it or they forgot. I mean, it was seven years ago. Maybe they forgot that the you know, it was going to change. So um, I have they been meeting with their advisor right along? No, they don't really have a they don't have an advisor. This was a salesman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I consulted our uh, annuity specialist partner and and said, can you make sure I understand this correctly? Mm, Sure. And I said, do we have any better options? How can we restore, um, you know, the income that they were expecting? And sure enough, there are products out there that will give them an even higher amount of income than what they were originally collecting. So that should make them happy. So we're going to talk about it and make sure they understand it this mm. time and see if they want to exchange the annuity. Um, I, annuities are complicated. Uh, they, they are? are. <laughs> yeah, Seriously. they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's different riders. And I, I needed some help understanding the difference between a guaranteed um, like minimum income benefit, a guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit, mm-hmm. and annuitization. Those are three different uh, uh, things. Three different ways to get money out. Yes, and they and they have different implications. Uh, significantly different yes, implications. Yeah, so that, that's one of the things that we'll talk about. So if you had a salesman, um, give me a rough idea how much they invested in these three. Oh, roughly. I'm going to say between the three, maybe it's say 200 grand. Yeah, let's use two. Thank you. Yeah. Even numbers. Mm-hmm. I like, it's Saturday. Headache. Ugh, math, math. <laughs> it's mathy stuff. Um, likely, I don't know the name of the company. It's just as well. And we're not going to announce it over the air because it, 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 I don't want it to ruin my story. Um, likely, the salesman who has been uh, absent without leave since has has added no value whatsoever and didn't add any value up front because couldn't didn't explain it well or didn't stay in touch earned between 12 and $20,000 7 years ago and now probably doesn't remember their names mm-hmm. because as a salesman he she whatever has no uh, moral, ethical, legal responsibility as a fiduciary or otherwise uh, to treat people other than eh, it seemed like it was the right thing for them and it seemed appropriate and it seems appropriate that I should make, um, I'll go in the middle, $18,000 for less than two hours of work. Mm. So for folks who listen to weekend radio and have um, anyone well, you know, financial advisors get paid even when it goes down. Isn't that terrible? That's terrible. You should never. I don't know why I'm Norm Macdonald all of a sudden. I don't know. That's terrible. Is they're bad people because we never go down. Well, you know what? Bank accounts don't go down. So why are you being paid for what you claim to be the most important benefit, which is you're not you can't lose? Well, banks, you can't lose. Mm-hmm. So you're being incredibly disingenuous. Uh, you're not a fiduciary. 
you're earning substantial commissions, and yet you will, with a straight face, turn to people and go, there are no fees. There are, there are no fees. Um, and this is pretty simple. You put money in, it can't go down, it can only go up. Very simple. Any human being, all right, I, any being, because I'm not sure human's the right word. Any human being that, that connects the word simple with any um, annuity of any type um, should not be permitted to accept any of your money. That's a liar. A liar, yeah. <laughs> fibber, fibber, pants on fire. Yeah. I mean, this is just, it's just, you can't be... Um, Annuities come in multiple flavors, at least four, fixed, fixed, indexed, variable, and hybrid. Among those, there are easily a dozen different subcategories, fixed lifetime guaranteed annuity, fixed single premium deferred annuity, single premium immediate annuity. That's just on the fixed annuity side. And then you mentioned the riders that are available on variable annuities. They go on and on and on, and they all have different benefits and different drawbacks, yeah. which you call your huh, pros and cons. And unless you have them clearly explained to you, how do you make the decision that's right for you? You can't. You can't. You can't. No, yeah. you can't. And and if anybody out there is listening and saying, well, thank God, Gene and Alyssa, they know everything there is to know about annuities, everything. No, no. That's, we would never make that claim, but we know people <laughs> we know and, people. and we know people that not only know stuff themselves, but are connected to organizations with hundreds of support, hundreds of employees and organizations supporting our ability to analyze, explain, understand, and put to the best benefit of our clients, whatever type of flavor annuity, subcategory of annuity, uh, rider on an annuity annuity, he tried to say um, is most appropriate, most beneficial to them. I would love to have Kagan as a guest on our on an upcoming show um, to explain and maybe even record an interview because he's um, he recently welcomed a newborn into his household. So now he has two children under the age of two. So he's a little busy. We won't ask him to join the radio show uh, in the near future, but um, I'll either talk to him and record it or invite him to call in and he can explain lots of these annuity terms. I think it's a great idea. Okay. As the host, I, I, I would expect you would do that. Voice of an Angel says, top of the hour, Fox Network News, all the information you need to be very, very, very informed for the weekend. And Chad Ruprecht joins us in the next half hour segment as we talk about all things automotive. You're going to lease a car? You're going to buy a car? You're going to order a car? You're going to get it delivered? You're going to go Carfax? Woo! 610-720-7900. Alyssa at AskMTM.com. We're back after this on More Than Money. I don't know how you keep on giving
Welcome back to More Than Money. You've got Gene Dickinson, your co-host. You've got Alyssa Young, your host. And shortly, uh, Alyssa will be introducing our very, very, very special guest in the studio. He's very special. He is special. In so very many ways. Is there a short yellow bus out there? Oh. Just, I'm just wondering if... Well, anyway, welcome back. More Than Money, if you're just joining us, the first hour is in the books. Off to, as Rush used to say, off to the radio hall of fame for induction sure uh if you award uh, award well we're a good friend of mine many years ago used to say he was award seeking oh from welcome to our award seeking show uh if you missed the first hour i'd like to have a chance to review the questions that we cover we covered a lot of ground um all you have to do is go to our website on monday more than money online.com go in around noon uh, we usually post our radio show around noon. John does his uh, technological magic. It's at to Megan. She does her compliance and regulatory review magic. And then we get that posted and you get access to all of that. We have hundreds of folks who listen to our shows on podcast. And uh, it's always uh, nice to know that that service is, uh, is useful mm-hmm. and adding, adding value to our clients. So, mm-hmm. so that's a fan fantastic thing indeed um, our march newsletter is out if you are not currently receiving the newsletter all you need to do is ask Alyssa to do that for you a-l-y-s-s-a at askmtm.com she'll get you the newsletter we had a good jobs report 431,000 um, many economists were disappointed and that's just because they suck at their job they're not very good at projecting obviously uh if you are entering the tax preparation world uh it's april 2nd that the word you must memorize is extension extension there will be no more uh, tax files accepted uh, from this point forward that with any expectation whatsoever that they will be done by tax deadline so if that works for you that's fantastic and if it doesn't it's also fantastic that yeah. affect us at all uh, <clears throat> bottom line if you have a nonprofit that sponsors a golf tournament uh, please let me know gene at askmtm.com we're looking to line up as many uh, quality organizational golf tournaments and I say quality because we are we're pretty careful about who we support so uh, if it's going to be you know Joe's dart league we're probably not going to be able to make that but the Nazareth high school football I'm thinking we're going to be there that's what I'm thinking I'm and you don't play golf do you I have never played golf that actually speaks very well of you and if if I remember right Nazareth the reason we didn't go last year is because it was interfering with the radio show right but you're the host of the show now, right. so you can be here. That's right. And I can be playing golf. You got it. Gosh, life just doesn't get any better. And finally, congratulations to our very our very good friends, Shane Burkhoff, Sarah Yusinoff. They are wonderful. They are the co-founders of Laughing at My Nightmare. They have done such incredible work. They are being honored by Moravian College for their Humanitarian of the Year Award. Well-deserved. I've rarely met anyone, particularly young people, who have done more uh, to improve the quality of life for so many people, myself included. My quality of life is better because I know Shane and I know Sarah. Congratulations. They're fantastic. I think I covered it all. 
That was really well done, co-host. Thank you so much. Uh, Quick email from one of our most valued clients. The reason I pay you when my investment value goes down is because I'm paying you to ensure it doesn't go down even more. (laughs) That's fantastic. Thank you so much. I was in yesterday and not wanting to disagree with Alyssa. I didn't see anyone doing any (laughs) real work. (laughs) Didn't. That's our favorite. It's a contraction. (laughs) Didn't. Did you do that? No, I didn't. Oh, I think you did. No, I didn't. It's spelled D-I-N-T. By the way, a mountain dog should be named Bubba. Bubba. (laughs) Uh, You have no idea how close you are because that little puppy, he is... He's a cube. He's yeah. easily as wide as he is long. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. my God. He's got, like, stubby little legs and a really thick tail. Whoa, are we still talking about the dog, or are you in- introducing Chad? How about Lego? Oh, oh, that's really cute. Oh, I like that idea. Lego. That's cute. So if, if he's nice. playing with one of his chew toys and you try to take it away, he says, Lego my chew toy? <laughs> is that no? No, you would say drop it. and then I'll drop it. Yeah. Uh, one of the comedians uh, named his puppy uh, Stay. So he would call say, come stay. Come stay. Oh, come that's stay. That's super confusing. Yeah, he says, dog just ignores him now. <laughs> You're As he should. Speaking of ignoring, it's time for me to be ignored and turn this over as we, you've already heard the dulcet tones of our guest this morning, his radio voice. <laughs> Charming. He's got the Mo- Michael Buble voice going Ooh. on there. So, uh, young lady, if you would do the honors, please. Absolutely. Uh, As we've been promising, uh, we are about to um, share the vast knowledge um, of Chad Ruprecht. Good morning, Chad. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Um, And he's here right right next to us. He's got his own microphone and everything. Uh, So thanks for making the trip. Um, Chad is going to shed some light for us on what's happening in the auto industry. So uh, I think you'll find this fascinating. So we'll just jump right into it, huh? Tell everybody a little bit about your background and how you know what you know about the auto industry. Well, thanks, Alyssa. It's uh, uh, good to be here. Um, Grateful. Uh, It's a blessing to be with you today. Thanks. with our host and uh, our ignored co-host over there. A <laughs> um, little bit about me. Sorry, uh, what? Tw- 22 years in the automotive finance industry. So I come by it honestly. I uh, don't pretend to know anything that I don't know. But uh, you-, you learn to see a few things along the way uh, during that time. So um, didn't really expect that knowledge and experience to come back uh, today. Uh, but seeing what's going on in the world, um, it's a relevant issue for a lot of folks, so happy to be here. Awesome. Well, yeah, I, I know people will be grateful. Speaking of gratitude, will be grateful for this because the a, the few folks I know who have been in the market for a car recently have shared the anxiety uh, that they've experienced. So um, first, maybe we can talk a little bit about why there is a problem with so we have a supply and demand issue going on, um, and people are well aware of two things, right? The shortage of vehicle inventory and the, the prices are high. So if you could explain to us a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes, specifically in the auto industry, that's causing that supply and demand issue. Sure. Uh, we've all driven past dealerships and seen the uh, empty lots, right? And uh, used to be you could go to a car lot, you could pick out the car that you wanted. It was the color. It had the options. It had the wheel package. It was the one that you wanted. Now you're limited. Um, they just don't have the inventory. Um, why? 
think about what's been going on in the world, right? Supply chain issues, um, computer chips. Um, I've heard stories about cars sitting at port waiting for something as simple as a door handle. Um, dealers are eagerly waiting to get this inventory onto their lots. Um, because of that, um, as any business would with the high cost of supplies, um, inflation is impacting them as it's impacting everyone in this world, um, the deals that you may have gotten in the past just simply aren't there. Um, beyond that, when you're talking about uh, a factory, um, whether it's overseas or not, um, the pandemic impacted these factories in a huge way. Uh, it's a big, big machine. And once you've stopped that, because everybody stopped working for a while during the pandemic, getting it going again, getting your supply chains plugged in, uh, it's been a challenge. Okay. So now people were used to being able to go to the to the lot, not only to have a selection of vehicles, but also to be able to um, knock off a few thousand dollars off that sticker price, right? Is that happening anymore? <laughs> uh, short answer, no. Um, stories that I've heard, a lot of dealers are at the minimum holding MSRP on new cars, um, in some cases over MSRP. Um, that's not been the case in the past. Um, yeah, I've heard stories of 10, 20% off of MSRP, which those days are getting slower and slower, but um, yeah, those negotiation days are, are at least paused. Okay. So now you're in a tough spot, right? You either um, wait for a car or you pay more for a car than you anticipated. And um, it may not be the one that you want. Yeah, yeah. So it's like compromising, right? For sure. Um, so when you and I talked about this issue, um, you explained some things to me about kind of weighing the new versus used car decision. Um, so can you walk our listeners through some of those things to think about um, what you get or what your, your kind of your pros and cons on both sides? Uh, absolutely. Um, new cars, the value of a new car is a new car warranty. It's a new car smell. Um, it's all the bells and whistles that come with the new technology, um, all of the new colors, um, the, the things that, that might make you feel good about getting into a new car. Um, on the downside, a new car is your first depreciating asset, right? It's uh, as soon as you drive it off the lot, value is gone. Uh, used cars um, tend to hold their value a little more simply because they've had some time in the market. And depending upon the, the year make model, um, you're, you're looking at some potential value there. But what do you give up? You give up that new car warranty. Uh, you potentially have increased costs of maintenance and service and, and you know, fixing the car. Um, so it really depends on how long you want to keep the car and what you're looking to get out of it. Okay. Now, used car prices aren't stagnant either, right? What's going on there? Well, no, no new cars, right? So... That makes the used car market uh, more robust. People are looking for, for cars, and if you can't find it on new cars, you might have to look to a used car. So it's, uh, you know, classic supply and demand. The cars just aren't there, so the value is being uh, uh, escalated. Yeah. You, you told me about the, um, people usually look to the Kelly Blue Book value as, um, you know, their their goal or, or a metric for them to price their car. Um, explain to, to our listeners what you told me about that value and how um, it relates to a trade versus selling it yourself. Sure. Um, like anything, um, a retail price versus a wholesale price, there's going to be some differences. Uh, a dealer is not going to pay retail for a car because they have costs of their own. 
They have to uh, clean the car. They have to prep the car. They have to potentially finance that car, store it on their lot. There's carrying costs. So they are going to pay closer to what's called a wholesale value, and it could be significantly less than what your retail value is. Mm. Uh, If you want to sell that car on the open market, put it in your front yard with a sign. Mm. Theoretically, you could get uh, a better dollar for that car, but the real question is how long do you have to wait for it you have to find that customer that's going to buy that car from you. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to trade it in, but you're going to get more if you sell it to someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, when we talked about um, opportunities for negotiating a better deal, the trade, what you get for your trade was one of those factors that you could negotiate. What are some other things that, um, whether it's, it may not be as easy to do this today as it normally is, but what are some other areas where people should know that they could negotiate on to try to get a better a better price? It's, it's tough because as buyers, um, the, the negotiated price of the sale of the new car and the trading value are really the two ways that we think we know what to do and how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we probably don't do that well either because we don't really know what the dealer's numbers are. We don't really know what's in their mind or how they're trying to negotiate on their side. Additional ways, um, financing rate. Um, dealers can mark up financing rates as, a, as another profit center for their dealership. Um, it's important to ask the dealer, is there markup on that rate? Um, they're going to be looking at things like products that they're selling in the finance office after you've negotiated the price of that car. Mm-hmm. Um, extended service contracts, road hazard tire, gap insurance, clear coat, etching, radar detection. I mean, the, the, the products are endless. And a lot of those products have potentially 100% markup as a starting price when they're selling. So it's important to know what you want, what you need, and how much you're willing to pay for it. Okay. Now, if you have that negotiation, you have that discussion, and you're not satisfied, what, what's your next move? Well, um, the number one power that a customer holds over a dealer is the ability to say no and to turn around and leave. Uh, a dealer's job typically is to keep that customer in their showroom as long as possible. And uh, for some of your less reputable dealers uh, to hassle and stress a customer to saying yes when they're not ready to. So you don't need to do it today. The sale does not need to happen immediately. Take a breath. I have personal experience with that twice, leaving the dealership. And the first time my husband said, no, we're leaving now. And I was like, no, no, they're gonna sell, they're gonna sell my car to someone else. I was panicking, but I think we were in the car for what, five minutes before I had a text from the sales guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, we'll get, we're, we're going to work it out. We're going to get you your car. And, I bought it. Yeah. And then I, I bought a used car actually during the pandemic, September of 2020. And they weren't budging on the price. The, the price that they were trying to sell me the car for was more than what I saw it advertised for on their website. And mm. I was like, nobody else wants this car. You know, this is ridiculous. I'm not, we're not spending this much more than what I expected to pay when I walked in the door. And we got up to leave and, and they were like, wait. Don't go anywhere. And we got the price we wanted. So, Magic. Yep, getting up and walking out, is it does work. Yeah. You're right about that. Um, that's great. So so don't feel pressured, right? You, you are in control as, as the buyer. It's a very uncomfortable spot, right? Customers are out of their comfort zone when they're sitting in that showroom. They're looking at all the new cars around them. They're seeing other customers who might be driving away with that new car. Um, little background for, for when I'm used to, for 20 years, I was getting a company car. 
So I never, even though I was doing the job of working with dealers and I knew the world that, that they were living in, um, when I left my, my prior uh, empire um, and moved to uh, where I am now, blessings, um, mm -hmm. I had to go buy a car. And knowing everything that I know, the experience that I've had, it was still an uncomfortable, awkward negotiation on my side. Wow. So I can't imagine what it is for somebody who hasn't had that 20 years of experience doing that. Wow. No, that's that's a powerful statement. Um, tell us about the option you have to lease a car instead of buying it. When would you consider doing that instead? First of all, understanding a lease and what it could do for you is the most important thing. Um, leases can be a powerful tool, not only for... Uh, uh, getting that new car, but making sure that your cost of ownership is um, potentially mitigated. But it has to be right for you, and there's a lot of ways that a lease can be not right for you. Outside of the fact that it's a, uh, a depreciable asset and you're extending that uh, a depreciation along a longer time frame, potentially, uh, if you want to buy the car at the end, there's pitfalls along the way that you need to be aware of. Okay. What are those? Um one of the most important ones is mileage, right? Um, if you don't know how long you drive, how far you drive, and you haven't uh, you know, really had that conversation with the dealer, the advertised price is probably based on 10 or 12,000 miles a year. Ah. And if you're driving 15 or 18,000 miles a year, all of a sudden that advertised payment is quite a bit more than what you thought. Ah, okay. Um, wear and tear. You have to give that car back at the end of the term. Um, you have to have the vehicle inspected and you have to pay or any wear and tear that uh, they consider to be excessive at that time. Um, a dealer might say, I'll take care of that for you. When you buy that, at least that new car, next thing you know, they roll that into the price of the new car, and all of a sudden you have a, what could be considered kind of a negative equity situation. Mm. So it sounds stressful to lease a car. You're like worried about how much you're driving. You're worried about keeping the car in perfect shape. Is that like, this, do people feel like that sometimes when they have a lease that they're like, oh, I gotta be careful. <laughs> I've seen all sides. I've seen the paranoid, um, um, worried drivers that want a pristine shape when they turn it back. I have seen some dogs come back at the end of a lease that have no business being a, a lease driver. Wow. So you have to know what if it's appropriate for you before you get into that contract, right? Absolutely. Speaking of appropriate, am, am I allowed? Yes, you're welcome. Oh, thank you so yeah. much. Yes. Um, uh, recently, I had a client who um, needs a new car. Current car is 14 years old, 57,000 miles. She's 81. And her question was lease or buy. And before I could answer, her comment was, I know my car's old but it only has 57,000 miles on it and it runs really well. I don't know why I should get a new car. My comment was twofold. Number one, safety features. Mm. A car that's 14 years old does not have an entire laundry list of very valuable safety features that current cars offer as standard operating equipment. Secondly, reliability. A brand new car is infinitely more reliable than a 14-year-old car, no matter how, many, how few miles it has on it. And when I asked her how many miles a year she would normally drive, hmm, somewhere between five and 6,000, 
So from a lease standpoint, if you're 81 years old and your concerns are, I don't drive very much, but I need a reliable, safe car, doesn't lease really fit? It seems to check the boxes. Yeah, it really does. Um, as it long really... as the rest of the um, contractual terms are understood. Of course. And that's true of, gosh, everything in the entire world. Um, but having a brand new car completely covered by uh, during the entire length of her lease, because she's not even going to get close to 36,000 miles to get out of warranty. She will always have a brand new car covered under warranty. No mechanical, no repair surprises. Some leases include routine maintenance. So she could theoretically, for the rest of her life, have a brand new car with no repair worries, no risk worries, lots of safety. I, I in, in my opinion, that, that kind of fit. Now, I have a, a question about for you. I apologize because I know you have your questions. I, I'll, I'll turn this back in a moment. Go ahead. I have a theory based on an experience, Diane, if that is her real name, and I had a number of years ago, that some... Um, dealerships wire their salesmen's workstations with microphones to listen in on the conversation. When the salesman says, I have to go back and check with my manager and the, the couple's left alone, that they listen in. Ew, Do, that's creepy. Um, well, and I, I, I will tell you momentarily after Chad gives me his feedback as to whether he's ever seen that or heard of that. Have you ever seen or heard of that? Um, not at the salesman's desk. That's, I think, creepy uh, is, is a good term for that. Uh, our experience was the salesman gave us the paperwork. We're ready to sign. And I look at it, and it was clear they had made an egregious error. That the number that they were crediting us on the trade-in was, if I remember, 5,000 higher than we had been quoted. Obviously to our benefit. And as I said to Diane if that is her real name, at the moment. Here's where we test whether anybody's listening. Because he went back to get the paperwork for us to sign, and we've got it right here, and this is to our advantage. If they're listening, the first thing that's going to be said when they come out is, oh, there was an error. And out of the gate, oh, there was an error. So our suspicion is that dealerships wire their... Uh, workstations. That's a suspicion. Uh, Chad still has some loyalty in that background. Um, he's not going anywhere. He's not leaving at 930. Okay. So, it's, it's, please. Uh, you guys were talking about buying a car uh, new and buying car used. Would you comment about certified pre-owns? Great point. I'm glad you brought it up, Gene. Um, certified pre-owned can be a wonderful blended option um, that nestles somewhere between a new car and a used car. Um, if you hear the term CPO, um, that's an industry term for certified pre-owned. Uh, manufacturers will require dealers to put that used car through a multi-point inspection to make sure that it qualifies for a certified pre-owned car in terms of condition, mileage, um, all of that. And they will usually provide some kind of a manufacturer warranty that extends the original new car warranty. It can be a valuable um, option to ensure that you have some of that protection and reliability on a used car that you may not have with a non-certified used car. 
Oh, sounds good. Gives you some peace of mind. Peace of right? mind, for yeah. sure. Okay. Backed by the manufacturer for whatever that's worth. Yeah, nice. Okay. Um, I guess one other question I have is, you know, hear, hearing us talk about these challenges, um, when we come back from our break, um, if you can stay, stick around for a few more minutes, um, I would like to talk to people about maybe some tips you could give them for how to start your search or if you know you in the, are in the market for a car, knowing it's going to maybe take a little bit longer. Maybe we can give some some tips about how to navigate that process and maybe how to prepare yourself going into it because uh, you can't maybe expect, like you said, to just walk on the lot and pick your car and, and you know, have drive home in it today <laughs> or the next day. So people are probably wondering, like, what's the best way to go about that? So of course. We can talk about that um, when we come back after a break. Thank you so much for all of the um, great insight you've shared with us so far. I hope it's valuable. Yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, I, I certainly am learning a lot about this, so I'm sure other people are as well. I didn't realize you were interested in cars, Black Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I do love cars. But as you know, I've always, uh, my, my daily driver has always been a cheap but uh, efficient and good value Hyundai. And I got the great warranty and hey, it works for me. For the Hyundai dealerships listening, if you'd like to provide a sponsorship to uh, for future More Than Money shows, that would be yeah, sure. gratefully appreciated. We'll have more on cars when we come back. Uh, more indeed, Mr. Chad Ruprecht in the house. <laughs> and before we bounce, we're going to be getting a lot more intel from him. I got some questions. I'm going to put him on the spot. Ooh. So if you have questions for us, best way as we're doing our interview is email Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A at askmtm.com. Gene, G-E-N-E at askmtm.com. We'll take your emails after this on More Than Money. Uh, we're just trying to explain how we're going to handle this last half hour because we've got a lot of moving parts because uh, we have family obligations. Those yes. are really, really important. Yes. Really, really important. So Alyssa is going to be with us for the next uh, 11 minutes and 40 seconds, and then she'll be uh, exiting out. Chad will be here until I'm done abusing the heck out of him. So. <laughs> Uh, you are interviewing our guest, Mr. Chad Ruprecht, who is a financial advisor extraordinaire with MTM Financial Group in the interest of full disclosure. Uh, no conflicts of interest here because he does not any longer represent the automotive side of the world, but he spent a long time there. So taking advantage of his experience is really, really useful. Uh, I know you have questions that you will add to, to Chad, so I'm going to let you get to that. I'll save my gotchas Okay. For a nine forty-five and forty seconds. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I had two more questions please, for Chad. Please. So we um, prefaced uh, this already uh, before the break that I thought maybe we could talk about what to do if you need a car and you know you have these challenges right now: shortage of options and inventory, and higher than you would like prices. So if somebody needs to to figure out a replacement vehicle, do you have any recommendations for? what they should do, um, steps they can take, and maybe what to expect uh, timeline-wise. 
Um, sure. Uh, <laughs> a lot of information there. Um, let's let's uh, pull it apart a little bit, okay? So let's talk about what can a customer do when shopping for a new car or a used car. Mm-hmm. Um, first things first is do your research. Um, over the past 10 years, um, and especially over the last couple years, um, internet and uh, other electronic sources of, of information have become more and more important. We're seeing clients, customers spending more time uh, online, building uh, their cars on, on manufacturer websites, um, adding the, the wheel options and the technology options and all of that stuff. Um, know what you want. Um, know who has the car that you want, not only by manufacturer, but by dealer. Okay. There are options. Um, dealers fight to hold their own territory. And a lot of times you can get a better deal if you're local than if you're away because guess what? They know that you're probably maybe going to service your car at their dealership. Mm. Um, The good dealers, um, and I say good, meaning what I think is good, um, are the ones that like to build client relationships. They're the ones that they trust. um, They're transparent. They make sure that you feel less awkward when you're going through that new car buying process. Beyond that, time-wise, right? Assuming that they, the dealer has the car that you want, um, how long does the process take? Hmm. Um, working for a manufacturer, we counseled our dealers to limit the amount of time that a uh, customer spent in the showroom and more specifically in the finance office. How long do you have to sit across from some guy that you may not have met for the whole first part of it and now they're trying to sell you all these products and you're not even sure who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I would plan on spending between one and two hours uh, with your salesman. And if you're spending more than 30 minutes with your finance manager, it's too long. Okay. That's a good benchmark. Um, you talked about knowing what you want, um, knowing now that the options are, are you know, more limited than normal. I guess it would help to prioritize, right? So if you have some that would be nice to have, features but aren't mandatory know which ones those are um and what about the option to get like i did this once where i i went to a local dealer and they found the car i wanted on a lot in another state and they traded one of their vehicles for my car and brought it local is that something people should you know what can you do to make that happen or is that not always available to people (laughs) it's an interesting question and it has kind of a complex answer uh, two years ago, um, in the business, we call those dealer swaps. Um, dealers will trade inventory, and dealers will negotiate with other dealers. If you want this car, well, then I want to pick one from your inventory that I want. Mm-hmm. And um, on top of that, some dealers don't get along well with other dealers, so they may or may not be willing to make that trade for you. These days, the inventory is just not there. Oh. Dealers don't want to give up as much inventory as they may have in the past, so it may be a more harder Okay, uh, not as willing to do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and my other question um, I wanted to discuss a little bit was the idea of whether or not to get an extended service contract if you buy a used car, or I don't know if this applies to certifo- certified pre-owned cars as well. Is that something that they uh, offer on those? It is. Okay. Uh, and, and, and you can. Okay. Um, questions to ask yourself. When you're thinking about a, an extended service contract, um, an extended service contract is something that wraps around the, the, the manufacturer's warranty, provides coverage for breakdown um, of, of engine parts and, and other mechanical um, pieces to the car. How long are you going to be in the car? 
how many miles do you plan on driving, and what do you think is fair in terms of a cost for coverage so that you don't have to pay out of pocket down the road. There are some very valuable products out there that can help you do that. But it's also important to know what the cost of those products are and what you think the value of that contract might provide for mm -hmm. you. It's like any insurance contract. If, if you don't need it, it might be good that you have it. If you do need it, you're happy that you have it. <laughs> yeah, okay, great, thank you. Of course. So I'm gonna turn it over to my co-host because I think he wants to try to stump you, but I don't think he can. I'm, I'm nervous over here, I got, got a little You should be, little you absolutely should be. Uh, <laughs> good and luck, that, that should be like your eternal state of being. Every day, Gene. Uh, uh, every day, nervous. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just, uh, I'm just impressed. I got, a, I got a promotion already. I, I went, I, w I went to co-host now. <laughs> I was just wingman sidekick, and now co-host. Very uh -huh. good. Um, when a car is leased, there is a predetermined buyout price. So I lease a car that's currently worth, I'm picking the number out of thin air, 50 grand. I'm going to lease her for four years. And the dealership says at the end of four years, uh, uh, I have the option to buy the car for 24 grand. Do I really? And how do I go about exercising that option? Because today uh, there are people perhaps even in this room who are leasing vehicles that their buyouts are way less than they could sell that vehicle for. So is the option real? And how do they exercise the option? Great question, Gene. Um, and speaking of somebody in the room who is potentially looking at that option, me. When I got out of the, uh, the car business, I had to, um, for the first time, go into a dealership and buy or lease a new car. Um, I went out and uh, because I, I was new to the truck market, I leased a pickup. Um, wanted the option to be able to get out after three years and get into something different. I see what you did there, option. Option. Nice. And now I'm at the position where with inventory being what it is, cost being what it is, um, I will probably be buying my lease car, my pickup. Um, what are some obstacles? Mm. You mentioned uh, a price to buy the car at the end of the lease. Uh, assuming that the co lease contract is what they call a closed end lease contract, that means that that price is locked in, but that is a price for you as the lessor, the lessee, mm -hmm. to buy that car. The dealership does not have that option unless they are assisting you in the transfer. So the dealer cannot buy that car from the manufacturer who actually owns the car mm. for that price. A lot of manufacturers will charge the dealer fair market value, which means the dealer is buying that car from you for potentially substantially more than what the contract says. So if you're going into a dealer with your own leased vehicle and you want to buy it, you need to make sure that the price that the dealership is selling that car back to you for is that contractual amount. Mm. And if it's not? If it's not, ask the questions to start. Mm -hmm. um, don't put yourself in a position where you're flustered, you're confused, you're emotionally or um, pressured, pressured, mm -hmm. and just say yes because 
it's my car and it's got to be right. It's contractual and it's not what I thought, but I'm just going to walk away. Ask questions. Hmm. You don't have to do it today. So uh, I, I'm picking out of thin air. I buy, I lease a Honda. <clears throat> I have a buyout that I wish. The dealership is not giving me the um, numbers that I'm interested in. Can I go directly to Honda? Depends. Okay. Um, state laws mm-hmm. will dictate uh, whether or not a manufacturer has the right, the, the dealer license mm-hmm. uh, rights to sell a car to a client. Hmm. Some do, some don't. Pennsylvania has been typically difficult um, in, in allowing manufacturers to sell cars. So does that mean I'm stuck with the dealer and the dealer deal that they're offering me? A couple things. You may be stuck with a dealer, hmm. but it may not be the dealer that you're currently working with. Okay. Um, any dealer, as long as they are reputable and agree to help with that transaction, because in dealers' minds, this potentially is a, just a transaction. Mm-hmm. They certainly have opportunity to sell product, but they're not getting new car markup, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, the price is locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, they might get something on rate. So a lot of dealers will simply say, sure, I'll help with it. I'll get a doc fee by doing the paperwork mm-hmm. and we'll get you in and out. And build, build some goodwill. Build some Speaking goodwill. of goodwill, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. I'm going to go... Uh, cheer my daughter's soccer team on so and where are they playing 40 fort oh my god an hour north of here well at least you're close to the uh, turnpike yeah are you going i'm gonna turnpike? hop right yeah. on the turnpike and head up so the game was supposed to be at noon and then two days ago they moved it up to 11 so uh, i'm gonna go now so i can make it on time looks like the weather's gonna be good please tell juliana and her team that we send our very best thanks i will and yell loud okay okay um you. and you might want to warn our listeners that you're flying solo next week. <gasps> Seriously? Seriously. I don't think I'm ready. I, I don't need... know. Can he handle it? Chad, maybe you should come and help him. Yeah, all right. I got it. <laughs> all right. Wow. All right. Wow. I got it. Please. I got it. All right. 610-720-7900. Um, sir, I think I had... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One more. Um, under... The circumstances, as we've discussed them, as as you and the host discussed it this morning, um, very common now, unlike every other car I've ever purchased, where you would identify a car you would like, you would go to your dealership, they ain't got it, they're going to order it for you, uh, inevitably they're going to ask for a deposit. What if car shows up you jump in the car, you drive it around the block and go, this stinks. I don't, I do not want this car. What happens to your deposit? What happens to the deal? It's a great question. Um, I'm going to use a phrase that, uh, my financial mentor taught me, mm-hmm. which is to start every difficult answer <laughs> with it depends. Ah. Depends on the dealer. Depends on the dealer. Sure. Um, depends on uh, the manufacturer. Um, some manufacturers will encourage dealers to uh, help uh, customers with difficult situations like that. Um, some dealers will say, well, this is, this is contractual. You, you sign the paperwork, um, but typically you have a, a rescission period where you have the opportunity to um, get out of that. Dealers will push you to stay into it, but mm. again... If they're a good dealer, they're going to help you. Um, 
we I've only had a half a dozen clients go through this process, but in every case so far, and to be fair, to be fair, thank you, um, Lehigh Valley dealers, um, Lehigh Valley de- dealers that anybody listening would go, I recognize that name. They've been around a long time. Uh, one name in particular, not around the Lehigh Valley a long time, but a huge dealer network and very well respected. Uh, they've all been told exactly the same thing, which uh, I, I found very actually understandable once it was explained. You're going to put a deposit down. That ensures you're going to come back and talk to us. When the car is delivered, you're going to test drive it. And if you don't want it, we give you your deposit back. And you go, that that sounds almost too good to be true. But it isn't because dealers can't get inventory anyway. And all of the cars that we're talking about are the kind of cars that people would want. So Chad orders a Honda Accord. And he gets it and goes, it, it, the color looks different than it looked on the website. And I just, it's just not for me. There's going to be three, four, five people lined up behind him to buy the car. The dealer's not out anything. If anything, they've made somebody else really happy because, hey, it's going to be eight weeks. Hey, we just got a car that you can have today. So it, it, I'm hopeful that that's kind of the trend. It, it is, uh, I think. Um, seems to me that most dealers, if they're smart, um, are using that deposit just to gauge a customer's seriousness mm. in terms of coming back in. Right. And regardless of whether or not they take that car, they have to come back in. They have to sit down across the table from somebody, have a conversation, and um, that gives the dealership the opportunity to put them in something else if the one that they really wanted is not an option for them. Excellent. We have an email question. Uh, it's a very, very interesting question. Uh, sadly, uh, really appropriate in a lot of cases. Uh, what's the best way to find out if the used car that you're interested in has had flood damage or been in an accident? Great question. Yeah, really is. Um, understanding what you're getting into, whether you're shopping for a new car or a used car, um, doing your homework is always best. Um, most dealers... Um, in fact, I would almost say all dealers have some connection with companies like Carfax. Mm. Uh, Carfax is a third-party um, company that works with dealers and customers to track a vehicle's history in terms of maintenance, in terms of accidents, uh, in terms of insurance claims. Um, having a Carfax report um, will help determine if the used car that you're buying is um, what a dealer says it is. Um, the downside, it's not 100% accurate. Um, I've seen issues in the past where um, you can have a bad Carfax report. Mm. Puts the dealer in a tough spot because the dealership is relying on that information as well mm. to sell the car. Um, again, reputable dealers will try to work with you to make sure that uh, a client is not um, harmed financially or otherwise. Um, but it can be a pain, unwinding a deal, getting you into a new car, that type of thing. So the Carfax theoretically should give you all that information? Theoretically, it should. Um, the Carfax reports that I've seen, I'm going by memory, I haven't looked at one in a couple of years, had a history of ownership of the vehicle. Yes. that That's included. So are there certain locations? Uh, what, what comes to mind is that after Katrina what, 20 years ago, 
thousands of flooded cars from Louisiana ended up being sold in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and Morristown, New Jersey. And they looked gorgeous, and, and it, they were a ticking time bomb. If you look at the Carfax, you'll be able to know where that car lived, at least for, I mean, that, that might give you a little bit of an indication of if you should be worried or not. Absolutely. Um, and those cars are specific cars like that. Um, fall into a special category that should be reported. Um, a dealer cannot sell a car that has been involved in what is most likely involving an insurance claim. Hmm. Um, and that has to be disclosed to customers. And Carfax should be able to, to tell some of that uh, information. Very important. Fantastic. Fantastic. Any comments about rising gas prices? <laughs> Uh, I have several, but um, <laughs> if we're limi limiting it to uh, uh, vehicles, to car sales, uh, mm -hmm. that kind of a thing, we've seen uh, over the past uh, cycles of um, sedans to SUVs as being the uh, um, car of choice. Mm. Um, we've seen that trend change from SUVs to sedans, and most recently that has changed back to more of an SUV um, type of a uh, situation. Um, the gas mileage that you get with an SUV is not as different as it's been in the past with sedans, but we could see that trend uh, in the future potentially, um, depending upon the electrification conversation and where mm. that goes and how long it takes to get there. Um, Speaking of electrification, under the heading of um, not, not maybe psychic ability, but really good luck. We had uh, two clients in, husband and wife, this week. They're wonderful people facing some challenges right now that we're helping with, but wonderful people, dear friends, and he's, he's a force of nature. Uh, they showed up a couple of years ago with a Tesla SUV and um, pretty, pretty excited about it. It's got gull wing rear doors. That's pretty exciting to Gene. Uh, <laughs> he fell in love with the Mercedes two-seater SL with gull wings years ago. Today, they're only seven or $800,000 as collectibles. I, I maybe should have bought one. Anyway, um, <laughs> bottom line is they, um, it is a pure electric car. Their deal included free charging for life. Are you kidding me? When they first got it under the previous administration, even high test that my BMW requires was 260, 240, 230 some days. And, and they're going, eh, it's, it's still ours is free. Now, are you kidding me? They, they made the deal of a lifetime on electric car. Who knew? It, it's a little pokey, though. I think it only goes to zero to 60 in like three, 3.1 seconds. Yeah, you're not going to get that front end torque you expect. It's just, no, no, it's a little, little. I want something a little faster. A little squishy. Yeah. yeah. It's a little squishy. <laughs> Sir, we have about two minutes before we do our uh, outro. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Can, I, I'm I, I, you are not prepared for. So if, um, if you wish to decline, you are, you are welcome to do that. I wouldn't recommend it because your job depends on it. <laughs> but um, having spent a long time on the automotive finance side, and now you've got years under your belt with us, what, what would you describe as the biggest difference in, in the, 
the day-to-day? What, what's the biggest difference professionally between what you used to do and what you do now? Um, thankfully, I think I have a good answer. So if my job depends on it, I may be safe. I guess we'll find out. Um, I'm going to help you close the show the same way you opened, oh. which is talking about gratitude. Uh. Um, one of the things that has been a true blessing for me has been to be in situations where we can truly help people. And the pressure of a sale, the pressure of a number, the pressure of um, you're only as good as your last month Mm. um, is virtually gone. Mm. Um, As long as that client focus and the the directional choices to help people, not because we're fiduciaries, although that's a big part of it, but because that's who we are, Mm. has been, for me, transformational. I think he keeps his job. I don't know. If you, if, <laughs> if you disagree, you can send me an email, gene at <laughs> askmtm.com. But I think it's a pretty good answer. And before anybody gets uh, uh, too convinced that that makes um, Gene in some way, shape, or form uh, exceptionally uh, uh, generous of spirit or blessed by the good Lord, uh, blessed by the good Lord is true. Um uh, gosh, we run a business and we're every bit as greedy as the next business owner, but we have come to the, what in my many years of doing this be, has become an inevitable conclusion is that um, I am convinced that we will have been wildly successful and will continue to be because um, we don't let that tail wag the dog. And, uh, Speaking of puppies and all the discussion we've had this morning, and and uh, kudos to your puppy. Um, <laughs> what a boy. Um, the opportunity to serve without the pressure of um, needing to make that monthly quota is one of the greatest blessings that I think either of us will ever have in our lives. Amen. Thank you, sir. Ah, we got to go quick. If you have questions, you'd like uh, to connect with us for a free second opinion meeting. You'd like to meet Alyssa. You'd like to meet Chad. You'd like to stop in. All you have to do is ask. You can certainly ask by sending me an email, gene, G-E-N-E, at askmtm.com. You can go to our website, check out Chad's background and Alyssa's background, my background, everybody's morethanmoneyonline.com, morethanmoneyonline.com, and then reach out to us. And of course, you can go old school, 610-746-7007, 610-746-7007. Folks, enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next week. We're flying solo, Gene on More Than Money. And I-